Our reading is from John chapter 12, a reading from verse 1 to verse 7. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Let us unite our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. The series of events that we've explored this morning through our different senses really is a story of contrast, of change. We started hearing how the city of Jerusalem welcomed Jesus, waving palm branches and shouting Hosanna. And less than a week later of his journey to the cross and shouts of crucify him. So what had turned that day of praise, a day when palm branches were waved to welcome a king, into a day of hatred and shouting for the death of a man? who had done nothing but good? Why in such a short time did the people start to scream for his blood, wanting him crucified? Let's look first at the cheers. Why the cheers? I suppose there were many reasons. Some people were there because they were probably just curious. You know how a crowd can build People hear the noise and they come to find out what's happening. Before they know it, they're joining in, but they haven't got a clue really what's going on in the first place. I suspect others cheered because word of Jesus' miracles had spread. This wouldn't have been the first time that crowds had followed Jesus just to see what he would do next. That happened in Galilee a couple of years earlier, when Jesus miraculously fed the 5,000. But this Passover, word of something even bigger had spread like wildfire through the city. John's Gospel links these events with the raising of Lazarus from the dead only a week earlier. Did some cheer because they wanted to see him do it again? Maybe, like it happened before, 
Some in the crowd had come in hopes that they might be the object of his next miracle. Perhaps the cheers were a little bit like kids waving their hand at their teacher, shouting, choose me, me. The heart of the crowd was probably those who had already been touched by Jesus. The Gospels don't tell us. I can't help but think that Lazarus must have been there. Zacchaeus probably wasn't far away. Mary Magdalene, who experienced Jesus' forgiveness. And what about Bartimaeus, the blind man from Jericho who Jesus gave back his sight? And goodness knows how many others were there to cheer their hero. Outcasts, tax collectors, maybe even some lepers welcoming their friend. Jesus had touched so many lives. At least a few of them were most probably in that crowd cheering that day. That's why we are here today. We know what Jesus has done for us. We saw in the video we just watched. And we're here because we want to show how grateful we are. For our worship is, in a sense, a bit like cheering for Jesus. Jesus attracted crowds everywhere he went. People travelled a long way to see him, to see the amazing things he was doing, to hear him speak about love for God and for other people. But I suppose in any crowd you get two kinds of people. The believers and the doubters. Jesus inspired not only wonder, but also anger. Some for and some against. The cheerers and the jeerers, if you like. A few years ago in America, an interesting experiment was done by psychologists looking into the actions of crowds. A group of people were taken into a room and shown a picture a little bit like this. They were simply asked to look at the image and say which line was the longest. Now, it's pretty straightforward when you look at it. But the experiment was set up and everybody except for one person was instructed to give the same wrong answer. So this one person had 20 or so people telling him that the longest line was A. They were telling him that they were right and he was wrong despite the evidence to the contrary. So what happened? In that experiment, that one person changed their mind to the same wrong answer as the other 20 people. That's how persuasive a crowd can be. It can sway you to a clearly wrong opinion. This happens all the time. Just cast your mind back over some of the fashion trends you've seen or have worn over the years. Things we all wore because we were told they were fashionable. I know. 
I lived through the 1970s. Orange and brown together, really? Huge shirt collars? Flares that wide? Some of the lucky ones out there weren't around in the 70s. Don't have to go through that. A small group of religious leaders felt threatened by Jesus' popularity. Their religious sensitivity had been upset by Jesus claiming to be the Son of God, the Messiah. Upset that he had broken church law by healing on the Sabbath. They could not see how this simple carpenter from Nazareth could be their saviour, their Messiah. They were waiting for a mighty and powerful king to save them from the Roman Empire. Not this carpenter from Nazareth who preached love and served others. Often we don't understand how anyone could find fault with Jesus. How could anyone not look kindly on his message of love your neighbour, be nice to your enemies? Surely everyone wants peace on earth and goodwill to men, we might think. Those who only see that meek and mild Jesus might be easily confused by anti-Christian voices in the world. Maybe the truth is some of the jeers came from people who were paying a little more attention. Maybe they know there's more to Jesus than just the tiny baby in the manger. Maybe they understand the implications of take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself and follow me. Perhaps they mean they, they believe it when Jesus said, no man comes to the Father but by me. They realise that Jesus never left room for any fudge or middle ground where all religions are the same and all behaviours to be accepted and nothing ever condemned. Jesus, Jesus may be many things, but just nice is not one of them. Jesus challenged the accepted order of things. He disrupted and upset the status quo of his time. Maybe some jeered on Good Friday because they weren't surprised on the previous Monday when anything but a meek and mild Jesus, as we saw earlier, marched into the temple with fire in his eyes and cleared the money changers from his father's house. In the culture of that time, the stature of kings was often judged reflected by the might of the horse upon which they rode. So imagine the anger these religious leaders must have felt to see cheers and adulation of this Jesus that he received on the first Palm Sunday. Shouts of Hosanna and waving palm branches. On top of all that, he's riding on a donkey. We hear in Matthew's Gospel how on Good Friday this group of chief priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask the Roman governor Pilate to set the notorious prisoner Barabbas free 
and of Jesus crucified. What probably started as a few voices calling out to Pilate to crucify Jesus ended up with the whole crowd yelling, crucify him. The same crowd that turned out on Sunday, Palm Sunday, to cheer Jesus, turned out on Friday to shout, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Here in church today, we have cheered for Jesus, as we should, for he deserves our cheers. We cheer with the crowd because he loved sinners and tax collectors. We cheer with the crowd because he helped people in their time of sickness, grief and death. We cheer with the crowd because of his love that reaches out to us, no matter who we are or what we've done. We cheer because God has saved us. But we also cheer with a heavy heart because we know what is to come. We know that Jesus suffered and died because of the crowd and for the crowd. We are part of that crowd, those he suffered and died for. I'm reminded of that old gospel song, Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? I'd like to pop that song on just for a moment. Just take a few minutes to reflect on the words of the song and the words that appear on the screen. there 
causes me to tremble as a resounding yes we were in the crowd when our life began again we may not have been there physically but it was our sin that nailed him to the cross it was because of our sin that he endured such unimaginable pain and suffering and the thing is if we accept that he was fully God and fully man he must have felt every part of that pain the way you or I would. Think back to the nails we looked at earlier. You know, Palm Sunday and Good Friday are two sides of the same coin. They're two sides of the faith God wants us to have in our life. Rejoice and sing as Jesus comes into your life. Weep and mourn as his death confronts us with our sin. Yes, in a sense, we were there in the crowd on both days, shouting Hosanna and later crucify. But thankfully the story does not end there. Because Jesus rose from the dead on that first Easter Sunday. At the cross of shame, death was defeated. And he made a way for us. Whoever we are, whatever we may have done in our lives, doesn't matter. Jesus loves us and wants to be in a relationship with us to transform our lives by his Holy Spirit, that we might have life in all its fullness and life eternal with him. All we need do is ask, because of what Jesus has done for us, through faith in him, one day we will be in another crowd. A great crowd gathered at the very throne of Almighty God. And there everyone will shout words of praise. Heavenly hosannas that will ring throughout all eternity. As we enter this holy week, 
Let's keep central in our minds just what Jesus went through. The price paid for us. What love shown to us so that we might know him better. He's reaching out through the crowd to you and to me. While we reach out, will you reach out and take his hand? Amen.